Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve a lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. If you are joining us for the first time for this show, the reason I say good morning, afternoon, and evening is because I have followers from the show all over the world, so I never know what time zone somebody is listening to it live or if they catch it on podcast afterward, wherever your favorite podcast platform is that you listen to podcasts on. So I always like to make people feel welcome, and I am here on a beautiful day in Florida in Vero Beach, Florida at the radio station. And yesterday was my birthday. This is my birthday show. And every year for my birthday that I've been doing this show, I always have a guest on that is very, very special to me. And today is no different. Today I have, this is a rarity. This is something unusual. And I hope I'm not letting myself in for something. (laughs) I have a childhood friend on the show. We grew up together on the same street on Eastwood Road in Yonkers, New York. And he has agreed to be on the show. I've got Alan Shapiro on the show with me today, who I just totally loved and adored growing up. You probably didn't know that, but... Um, He is an award-winning photographer, advertising, chief creative officer. He is one of those, he's like the original madman in a lot of ways, not just the Madison Avenue (laughs) advertising way, right, Alan? Hey, 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 be nice. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of the things I always loved about you. And, you know, I was thinking about, oh, my God, he's really, truly one of the, the mad men, not just the Madison Avenue, but your creative side is just so awesome i mean before the show today you were texting me crazy pirate jokes yeah yeah well you never know what's going to come out of the head and like i say you have to let the voices out otherwise you become a serial killer (laughs) (laughs) Uh. (laughs) so hi it's been like forever and by the way i had i had a crush on you growing up in case you didn't know so like today i get to you know well let that out of the bag oh well thank you so much Yeah. How are you? It's been decades. I know. You know, we reconnected through social media, which is the power of it, right? The the most beautiful power of it to change lives and reconnect people. Totally. And, you know, I remember your, your dad and mom and sister and, you know, growing up, you guys were just such a big part of, of my family's life. You know, we had such a close knit neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, hard to replicate in this day and age. But and and look at how accomplished some of us got. Look at look at you. <laughs> and and we even have a George Clooney lookalike. Who's that? Mark Bianchi. <gasps> you think I haven't seen him in a while? Oh God, but... go look on Facebook, everybody. Go look on Facebook and look up my my old neighbor Mark Bianchi. You're gonna have to spell that because it what B I A N C was it H I? Yes, it was. And yeah. and my first boyfriend was his brother Robert. Um, <gasps> when I we, didn't know that. Oh my god! From the age of three. <laughs> wow. <laughs> little wow. little stories, but I saw on on Facebook a picture of Mark, and he was in Lake Como, which is where George Clooney lives. And somebody people kept coming up to him, thinking he was George. <laughs> And what did he say? Of course I am. And First, he was you know, he played it a little bit, but the restaurants all knew that he wasn't George Clooney, but he really, really 
folks like George Clooney. But yeah, we have some amazingly brilliant people, in- including yourself. I mean, your photography is world-renowned. And, you know, being a madman, if anybody's not familiar with that term, that's what they refer to back in, in the 60s and stuff as the the advertising guys, the creative directors, the people that created this whole idea of advertising and marketing from Madison Avenue, the Mad Men. Um, I, I know I've confirmed this with you, but I had heard through the grapevine years ago that you were on the team that created the Energizer Bunny, an yeah, iconic were, figure. There were, there were, yeah, there's lots of things that, you know, we've done and are proud of, and there's so many people that are involved in all of these things that it's you know it's it's one of the privileges of being a creative person you get to surround yourself with people who just always make you smile and make you think and and ask very interesting questions to get to these wonderful stories that we're able to tell the world about products and services and brands so well that's that's what i think is so interesting i've talked about this a lot on my show alan that with the entrepreneurs that listen to my show, a lot of them don't understand how important story is to their business. And, you know, you always told stories. As long as I've known you, you, you were always the storyteller. Yeah. Yeah. It used to get me in trouble. Now it makes me lots of money. <laughs> uh, so thank God I was able to, to use my powers for good eventually. <laughs> And a lot of people don't think that um, advertising guys use their power for good, though. <laughs> no, well, you know, I think there was there was a period of time where it was it was really you know skeptical. We were we were we were at the bottom of the barrel with with lawyers, but we all know that there's good in everything. And getting back to the idea of storytelling, it is the only thing we have to differentiate whatever it is we're selling and how we differentiate why we're buying what we're buying. And, you know, we tell ourselves things about a product beyond the functional benefits of it, beyond the fact that it, it absorbs this, you know, something quickly or, or it goes this many miles an hour or it breaks this quickly. There's something on top of that or at least next to that that makes one product so much more connected to us individually than another. How did you move towards this amazing career that you had in advertising and taking it to a whole nother level. By the way, everybody, if you, you need to follow Alan on Facebook and Instagram because his photographs are like nothing you've ever seen before. But I mean, the journey from the boy I grew up with. (laughs) Well, let's start backwards. So the photography, which is what, that is the all consuming passion. That's sort of the, the cherry on top of the wonderful career. But it started because I was really stressed at my day job. I mean, as you might imagine, there's a lot of pressure when you're dealing with Fortune 50 companies and CEOs and chief marketing officers who are under extraordinary pressure and boards of directors and then even startups where, where venture capital is involved. So there's a lot of pressure in getting it right. And that took its toll, and I was either going to, you know, explode on the job. But fortunately, a friend of mine gave me a camera, and I found a happy place. I found a total escape from, from the, the part of my brain that makes up stories to now I could go seek out different kinds of stories, more visual stories. So, but... Well, and so. uh, that's interesting that you said visual story, because 
one of the things, I, I recently read a book, uh, a trilogy by an author by the name of Kathleen McGowan, and she goes back into the Renaissance and the times of Lorenzo Medici and Donatello and Michelangelo and all of that, and Raphael. And, and one of the things she talked about was how there's, there's art and then there's transcendent art. There's art that when you look at it, when you look at a photograph, when you look at a sculpture, or even sometimes when you read a book, you feel like you're inserted into it. Like you were there when the artist was taking that photograph or sculpting it. There's a way of like impregnating the, all of the feelings of the artist into that work of art. And that's something that I've noticed with your art. Oh, oh, come on. That's, that's way too high praise. No, back, in the, I, back in the day, back in the, you know, and it, I think it's every creator's dream to have been to creating during the Renaissance because you had patrons that were the popes and the kings and they, would, they were filling their, their lives, their castles with art. <laughs> So, and there wasn't as much clutter as there is now. I mean, now to stand out and create this idea of transcendent art is near impossible because there is so much noise. But that's also an opportunity because, you know, it pushes people who are creative to, to push that much harder, to really do the hard work of differentiating themselves. So, but, but, but thank you. Well, <laughs> you know, where, where I was going with that, Alan, was this whole idea of anyone can take a photograph. Right? Especially n now in the days of smartphones. Yeah. But not everybody can turn that into art. That when you look at it, it evokes something. You know there's more to it than, oh, I'm just taking a picture of a flower. And I, in well, the case of you, when you take a photograph, you also tell these really cool stories online uh, about the photograph. Well, that's part of the fun. Right? It works both sides of your brain. You know, you, you, have, you have a part that sees something and wants to capture it. And then there's a different part, at least for me, wants to either provide context or make something fabulous up or tell something ridiculous. You know, it's a, it's a conduit to whatever mood I'm in. Now, did so that come easy to you all the time, or is it something you had to develop? Uh, I think... I think I was born with it. I don't think, I mean, obviously I've had lots of practice, and, and it, it is a true daily exercise regimen for me. There, not a day goes by where I don't take a picture and post at least once a day. So that is my exercise, and that's on top of the stories that I tell for clients. So there's, there's lots of opportunity to perfect the craft, but also there's a lot rattling around in my head <laughs> that I need to get out. <laughs> so, the work you do requires so much immersion, I would imagine. Yeah. How do you juggle all those different pieces and get the focus that you need? Or is it not focused because you need to let everything percolate? I think it depends on the situation. I think there are some challenges that a client will give that are easier to solve, where there's a, clear, there's a clear path. There's a story that demands to be told. Usually those are with products or services that don't have a lot of competition. But when you come in and you have, 
you have a congested category. Now it's, it's a much harder process. And it's first gathering facts and then letting it percolate. And there is not, there is not a time where it's not kind of an all-consuming thing. I, you know, I, I'm sure we all have woken up in the middle of the night with an idea. I wake up dozens of times. I don't really sleep all that well. <laughs> Probably I'm sorry about because, that. Your wife must not like that either, or has she gotten uh, used to it after so many years? N- well, I think she might disagree. I mean, for me, it feels like I'm up all the time, and she says, oh, my God, you were snoring so loud that the <laughs> walls were vibrating. <laughs> now, I think that is part of the story trying to emerge. Like, my mouth's not moving, so it's coming out my nose. That is the storytelling aspect. And that's your story. Sleep. You're sticking to it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, you once told me that um, for you, you like to think of creating and marketing as more like dating. Yeah, yeah, that's a fun. So, are are the listeners of yours more people who are who are in startup mode or in established mode, would you say? Well, I, well, that's the beauty because I've got the full gamut. And then okay. for the, the local listeners to my show in the area, I never know who they're going to be. We've got retirees that follow my show that were, you know, in all levels of business. I've got startups. Um, I've got retail brick-and-mortar businesses. We've got service businesses got people working corporate that are thinking about starting their own and I've got creatives people that are artists that are trying to figure out how to make a difference in the world right okay so then so here's the 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 broad answer and it's really you know I think it's a smile inducing metaphor so I'm going to ask I'm going to turn it around I'm going to ask you a question it's a rhetorical one and for all the listeners I want you to think of the worst first date you've ever been on Oh, I got a lot of those. Right? <laughs> right? I'm sure we all do. And, and the reality is, for, you know, you can, you can probably play back some of the reasons. You had nothing in common. They talked about themselves incessantly. Uh, they were really boring. They were very one-dimensional, right? So, so if you go through all those dates where you just wanted to climb out a bathroom window or run through the kitchen, um, that is... That is one side. And then think about the best first dates you've ever had. You just felt totally connected. Right. Like you were almost thinking as one, like you had the, your, your souls were connected. Right. Right. And keep going. What else? Um, there was an, an energy. There, there was an electricity. Like you were, um, there was something beyond you both. And there was a chemistry. Right. That made you just want to keep talking. Like you couldn't, you couldn't run out of things to say. You never wanted the date to end. Right. Okay. So now imagine that you're on this wonderful first date with a brand. Now let's take the point of view of the brand. That brand can't just talk about themselves. That would be awful. If they're one-dimensional and they only like one thing, that's kind of boring too. So you need to have things in common. You need, to, you need to be engaged. You need to be curious. You need to, as a brand, as a service, say, what do you like? We like that too. Let's go do it together. And it, notice it's not about functionality. 
a car doesn't say at the first date, we have X number of horsepower (laughs) or our braking speed is whatever. We say we love crazy, crazy scenic drives on winding roads. We like going really fast or we like going off-road. So so the date that a brand has with their consumer is really, really important. And then when you've had that great first date, what's the next date? You may want to dive in a little bit deeper and get to know each other a little bit more. Those are the dates in front of the fireplace, going back to when I was in, in serious dating mode. And, and then how you keep in touch in the good old days. Remember, you had to wait for the guy to call you. Remember those days? Oh, yeah. And we had party line telephone lines, too. Right. I remember that when we first moved into Eastwind Road. Yep. So, so the good news is now we have instant messaging. So the gratification is, is, can be minutes later. It can be, even be at the table. It can, right? So the dates that a brand can have with their consumers can continue almost nonstop, which puts a lot of pressure on brands, but it's also uh, you know, an ongoing way of, of saying, we care about you, we want you to like us, we want you to love us, ultimately. So I'd much prefer to talk about dating than marketing. Make love, not marketing. It's, it's a fascinating way of looking at it. And, and as you were describing all of that, I was going... So really understanding who you want to market to matters tremendously because the, like using the car analogy of driving the windy roads, you're not going to get the person that necessarily wants, you know, a family minivan. Right. So understanding who your market is, is even more critical with the dating because what appeals to one group may not appeal to another? Is that... Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And, of course, modern brands need to have multiple audiences, and they should be crystal clear on who their primary audience is. So let's use the minivan example. So the first date conversation is probably around, we love going on family vacations. We love loading all of our kids and dogs and, and as much luggage as possible into the back of our car and going places. And then insert minivan brand, us too. And here are the places we like to go. Have you been there? And so the conversations that happen around minivan first dates are very different than sports car or off-road car. So it's a, I hope it's an easy conversation to have as entrepreneurs, as people who care about their brands. What's the story that your brand can tell someone that is inclusive, involving, it results in a dialogue, not a monologue. That's really, really important. Now, I mean, you have your own brand as Alan Shapiro, but yet I feel like you have a couple of different brands based on Alan Shapiro, photographer, Alan Shapiro, advertising chief creative officer, um, who has to think up, do you actually think up the brand? Like, if somebody comes to you with a product and says... Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, so you have to come up with the entire concept. They're like, here's our product, and we don't know it's what it, to do with it. Well, it's, it's never that open-ended. Okay. Unless it is really, like a good friend would say, I'm thinking of doing this, you know, can you help me? Like, right from true inception. But in a lot of cases, it's like, we've got this product. Here's who we think we should reach. 
now it's either a cluttered category or it's not. What do you think? How do we finesse the story? Have you ever had to create an advertising uh, campaign for a product that you just feel is just not worth doing it for? Uh, Well, I've never had to because fortunately I've been in a place where if I don't believe in the product, I just say no thank you. Okay. And we'll help them find someone else. And I would hope that I would hope that anyone on the creative side would feel the same level of, of integrity. Because if you don't believe in it, you're not gonna do a good job for them and they're not gonna be happy with your result because your heart's not in it. I mean as a as a creative guy, I like to think of myself as the 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 wonderful fun uncle who comes in and acknowledges that the kids have weird haircuts and they're funny looking and they may not be as behaved as, <laughs> as they could be, but boy, do I see potential. And, you know, give me some time with them and I will whip them into shape and I will make them as perfect as they need to be while keeping their personality, their charm, their wit. I mean, brands need to have senses of humor. Brands need to, and products need to be different ways in different situations. A business situation is very different than a more casual, fun uh, situation. And brands need to figure out how to act in those, in those places. One of the things I remember about you growing up was you were always a smart one in the room, right? You just always had the answers. You, at, you, know, you, just, you were really concerned and caring about improvement and education and learning and also having a hell of a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) We tried. And it doesn't seem like that's changed for you at all. Uh, Nah. Although I have to tell you, I went from always wanting to be the smart guy in the room, like, you know, when all of us are growing up and we're making our mark in society and trying to establish ourselves, it's important that that we... uh, are seen a certain way or heard a certain way, and that needs to be with a lot of credibility and bravado and, you know, all of that. But I've found now that I'm older and wiser, I like being the dumb guy in the room. I like asking the dumb questions. Yeah, and, you know, I've always felt that there really are no dumb questions. <laughs> because yeah, there are. somebody needs to ask the very basic. Right, Exactly. Exactly, and, and really understand it. And I think a lot, of, a lot of people who are trying to market something will, will dig too deep sometimes. They won't stay, they, they won't answer the basic questions and, and really get to the bottom of it. I mean, like, here's a perfect example. Like, look at the weight loss category. For years and years and years, it was about losing a certain number of pounds. If you were slim fast, it was five pounds. If you were Weight Watchers, it was 10 pounds across a given period of days. And when you sit down and when you really ask hard questions, why are you losing weight? It's never about a specific weight. It's always about an event, a milestone, a I want to get back into my favorite genes from college or I need to look good for this. So or my high school reunion or something like exactly. that. Or my wedding so, or whatever. Yeah. So that's a different kind of story than give us a week and we'll take off five pounds. But it's like, remember those favorite jeans in your, in your closet? The ones you haven't tried on in a couple of years? I still like, have them. 
Right. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Let's get back into them. It's a totally different kind of story. And life and, is all about the stories. That's how we get people excited. And we're going to go into our our uh, national news break in just a few moments here. And uh, oh my God, Alan, it's like it's like we only have the second half of the show left, and I'm like, I could talk to you for like the next next year on this show. But I, haven't, we, I haven't sung you your birthday song yet. Okay, we'll save it till when we come back from the national news break because we are going out to national news break. I'm here with Alan Shapiro, um, award-winning photographer, um, advertising chief creative officer, and and my childhood friend. And this is the first time I've had somebody from my childhood on. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. If you missed the first half, oh, man, you got to go catch it on podcast. I'm here with Alan Shapiro, my childhood friend, master marketing, madman extraordinaire. And um, Alan, I'm just diving right back in because we have so much to talk about. Welcome back. Hi. You know, I I really wish that I could include all the... um, while we're talking on national news breaks live because I love those conversations. Right? I know, yeah. It would, it would bore people, yeah, except us. But yeah, yeah, you know, and I'm so happy that you're here for my birthday show. Speaking of which, I have a birthday song that I want everyone to sing along with. Okay, and it's it's probably one you might not have heard. Ooh. Are you ready? Okay. It's, it goes like this: This is your birthday song. It isn't very long. <laughs> That's it. The end. That. Yeah. <laughs> it's easy. It's right? I, so okay. Oh, thank you for that. I love that. That's absolutely perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so, at one po- during during the commercial break, you were saying that you feel like you kind of rushed through childhood and you wished you had spent more time with certain people or certain things and you know, I know that I stopped working for almost six years, I did the show, but I really didn't do much else when mom moved in because I just wanted to be with her. And yet I still felt I still didn't spend enough time with her because I kept trying to do some other things. It's a struggle that I find many entrepreneurs have with, with that. So what did that mean to you when you were saying about that during the break? I think life goes remarkably fast. And I think... I know, I don't think, I know that we more than ever need to recharge because we're inundated with messaging, with noise, with clutter, with, with dissent in this day and age. The way to do that is with people you care about and people you like and people who bring you happiness and comfort. And so whether it's family or friends, the, the more time you make for for people in your lives who bring you joy, the more it will have a total halo effect over the work you do. And I just, I believe that. So So how do you manage to with, I mean, you travel all over the world. Yeah. How do you manage to make that happen? I know you still live close to your family. I do. I do, and and I see them. I you know we had a party. We had a big happiness party on Sunday because my parents are coming up on sixty years of marriage and sixty three years of knowing each other. Oh, that was the post. It was just a happiness party. It wasn't an actual anniversary party. No, it was just it was a happiness party. My dad just turned eighty, and you know, and so they surrounded themselves with all of the people that they know and love who bring them joy, 
and and sort of shared everything. I mean, a lot of my parents' friends hadn't met Stacy, who is my my partner, and 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 you know, so we we just go everywhere together. She travels as well as I do, and the the good news is, you know, I, she works remotely, but I can work remotely as long as I'm connected. So no matter where I go, I take her with me, because even my business meetings are better knowing she's either in the hotel or shopping or roaming around and then, you know, bringing her to dinner. It's just something I didn't have that opportunity growing up, uh, although I tried. But, you know, sometimes when you're on huge shoots and you've got really important clients, you can't, you can't have kids running around, although I wish I had. I wish I'd sort of put my foot down. So I do it now. You know, like there's plenty of time to make up for lost time, I think. I feel like the rules have changed so much for what's acceptable and what's not. And I mean, your career has spanned such a change in the whole media landscape and, you know, the new media, old media, traditional media, whatever you want to call it. I mean, even new media is changing from what that term originally meant and how you can do your work. How do you really think that that's affected you now? How are you able to craft and tack your way through, um, it, navigate your way through? It's 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 a wonderful challenge. I you know it's why it's why life never gets dull. In the good old days, you know you had TV commercials to make or print ad campaigns to do, and occasionally you'd be on a Super Bowl and 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 or in a billboard, and that was kind of it on a on a big advertising level. Now, as channels have gotten fragmented and we have social media and we have all these places to have different conversations, it is, it is a nonstop uh, exercise to keep up with what is relevant and how it's being used. And, you know, you think about Facebook and Instagram, and, and we kind of know how it's being used, but even those channels are changing as people get disgruntled with privacy policies or where they become too saturated. And, you know, Google made a foray with, into social networks with their Google Plus network, and then they promptly canceled it, you know, six, seven years later. Because so, you were probably the only one using it. <laughs> uh, no, there were, there, were, there were a bunch of creative people. Right. And, you know, being involved in the beginning, from the, be- the, the real onset of it, I was one of the beta testers, they they tried to differentiate themselves from Facebook. They wanted it to be a creative community. They had different services available. So the conversations that they wanted to promote around what they cared about, ultimately making money, of course, um, wasn't as sustainable for them. Now, hard to understand why, but now it's, you know, it's so hard to look at the landscape and know what is going to be long-term, which is fine. So we deal with short-term, but we still have to understand how it's being used, and that requires a lot of work and, and a lot of fun and a lot of exploration, and that's where, you know, I, I will always be a student, and that's a good thing. Yeah, and that begs me to ask the question, you know, you're, you're always the student. I mean, how do you... How does somebody or how do you stay relevant with all these changes? Because from the outside looking in, it just seems like you just sail right through it. And I know that that is probably not true because you said you're the lifelong learner. 
But, I mean, what would be a piece of advice you would give my listeners on learning to stay relevant with their brands and their messaging when it seems like it's constantly changing? And I know it's not really constantly changing, but everybody, there's this feeling of you need to shift now. Yeah. No, it, it kind of is constantly changing. I mean, if you think about it, how often does Instagram, as one of the most efficient channels for reaching different audiences, they change their algorithms. So brands are seeing people drop off, not, not get more visibility. And, and, you know, everyone is, it's a race to get, to, to spend as much money as you can afford and, and optimize that. But let's get back to the question. I think everyone should have a personal board of directors that is comprised of people who are, depending on their products and services, you know, from teenagers to college age to, to millennials to, to our age that they trust and that are curious and not, and not negative, that are open to all of these touch points. I have a marvelous set of teams that I know love social media, love culture and macro trends, and love fashion. And all of those are are inputs for the stories we want to tell and the characters we want to create and, and the beauty that we can share with the world. So have a team. Okay. But then at some point... You need to stop listening to the team and listen to yourself. Yes. So how do you figure that part out for yourself? Are there questions you ask yourself that help you determine which direction you want to go after you've worked with your team, listened to your team? I'm going to give you two answers. The first one is absolutely not. I have perfection paralysis and things are never good enough. That's the personal answer. Okay. Professionally, though, there are some questions you can ask that, that sort of lead you in the right direction. The first one is, if my biggest competitor did blank, would it piss me off? Ooh, what I would, love that. What would they do that would absolutely infuriate me and make me say, gosh, I should have done that? That is a terrific question for getting to something. Wow, that's the, it really goes right to the heart of it, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're, I mean, it's, it's a friendly battle, it's a debate, we just always want to win, and we want to win the right way, and we want to win with charm and grace and compassion and hopefully niceness, again, I'm, I'm on a kick now, because of, because of what we are as a culture and as a country going through. Oh, yeah. Um, so, there needs to be more diplomacy. But still, at the end of the day, we need to make money, and we need to differentiate ourselves. And, and I don't want to look back and have anyone say, why didn't we try that, whatever that is. So what's so. next for you? Uh, or you don't know yet? No, no. I am, uh, I am working on a housewares product, actually a line of housewares product, around my, my photography, and it's a company that will be called Flora Fernalia. 
<laughs> yeah, I was thinking your food porn. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. That well, that may come, but I, you know, it's it's funny. I I started as a portrait photographer back when I started picking up a camera because that's what was you know all around me in Manhattan, and I'm kind of fearless and will talk to anyone and everyone. But as I was listening to the stories that people were telling me before I would take a picture, sometimes it would fill me with despair. And so that led me to beautiful gardens because they're everywhere and very available. And there were beautiful little things looking up. So, so that seems to have taken off a little bit. And so you're going to create a product line ar- yeah. around your photography. Yeah. Yeah, a houseware. So there's Jonathan Adler. If you go into yeah. any department store, you'll see all sorts of things from textiles and tablecloths to plates and mugs and whatever and towels. I'm going to do that with my work and hopefully other people's work because I don't want it to be just me. I want it to be as many people as I can find who are willing to share in this sort of co-op type business that I want to create, that I'm in the process of creating. Well, knowing you with your brand and advertising and marketing background, it's just going to blow up. (laughs) Um. We'll see. Hopefully, I'm not the shoemaker's children, but uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I'm excited about that. Make sure you let me know as soon as you launch that line because I love the work you do. So that'll be really cool well, <laughs> to, thank you. to have thank some you. of that stuff. You know, people have told me that I should, with my "What Would a Wise Woman Do?" I should start creating mugs and different things and and all of that around this whole concept. And mm-hmm. and I want to create journals and and different things like that. I could see some of. So what is stopping you? Uh, focus. Uh, it's easy. <laughs> it's easy. There are so many sites available. And again, this becomes a, a, a lesson. It's like, why are you waiting? Or what are you waiting for? You, you ask questions. You, you talk about questions to ask yourself. And what if someone else came out with that thing before you did? Oh, it You'd pisses really me off upset. every time. <laughs> yeah. So, so... Get, get it in gear and, and start putting your brand out there. Mm. Yeah, putting it back out there because I did take that hiatus for a bunch of years. Right. That definitely, you know, it's getting over that inertia to move yourself back in and understanding mm-hmm. your brand. And uh, for everybody that's read my book and those who haven't, I am in the process of trying to find somebody to redo my book cover to relaunch that book. And I started working on my second book called uh, A Little Bit Disheveled. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's the way I feel most of the time. Like, no matter how hard, you know, you talked about your perfection paralysis. Mm-hmm. It's like I always wanted to be that, that perfect, well-groomed Jackie-O, you know, like always you walk out of your house, there's not a hair out of place, um, everything you say seems perfect. Your clothing's perfect. And even when I go to black tie events, there's always something off. Like I would always end up with a run in my pantyhose or the hair wouldn't be perfect <laughs> or something. And I finally decided, you know what? That's who I am. I'm going to embrace it a little bit disheveled. I love that. I love that. And, you know, it's, it's such a... Uh, uh a burden off your shoulders when you can speak that out loud and acknowledge it. And, and guess what? It's really hard work to be perfect, as we all know. 
so to embrace that level of, of wabi-sabi, <laughs> you know, yeah. like the, 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 the flaws that make us even more beautiful, that's, I love that idea. Yeah, caregiving for my mom really, well, you know, Alan, you knew, you knew my brother. Yeah. There's nobody else I've had on my show that knew my brother, and he died when I was 10. He was 13. And growing up with that, somebody that's sick to that level, you never know what's going to happen to them. You sort of want to control everything you can Mm -hmm. in your environment because you can't control that. Right. And taking care of my mom the last six years of her life, I was so petrified that she would die sooner than her time, which of course you can't control that, that I, the perfectionism began to overtake every aspect of my life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to hear you say that, because I look at your art and, and the work you do, and I'm like, well, how could he not be a perfectionist? But that's not the boy I knew. That's not the man I'm learning to know as an adult. It's everything's perfect that you put out there, but I can see and feel this loosening. Does that yeah. make any sense whatsoever? Right. And, and that's, that's growing up. That's maturing. That's acknowledging that the things out of our control are, out, are just that. They're out of our control. And, and the more we can go with it as opposed to fight it and control it, the, you know, the more relaxed we all will be. So, I don't know. You did an amazing, amazing job in life and and like you can look back and say there is you know other than whatever little regrets that i'm not privy to but think about the privilege and and the job you did taking care of mom and and that's remarkable and so if nothing else you know why not look back and and just smile at that and know you'll always have that disheveled as you were yeah <laughs> yeah, it, it, thank you, Alan. And it, it, it's so true, you know, and I love the fact that you guys, uh, you know, you and Sandra and, and your parents held a happiness party. I, I, why don't we celebrate just being together? Why do we have to, like, my, my friend, um, I had two sets of friends come over my house yesterday, and since this ear surgery, I've really been very isolated and birthdays have always been a big deal in my family. And my friend Cindy and Barb came by last night with a birthday cake and some presents because I couldn't go out to dinner. It's just too loud out there. And they were going to bring food in, but I, I, food's been difficult. And, but they knew that a tradition in my family was always birthday cake for breakfast. Yep. Us too. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And. I couldn't get in a car and go drive and get cake, and, and they just wanted me to celebrate. And my friend Pam in Orlando came by with um, chocolate cupcake and, and just to wish me a happy birthday. And it was such a celebration and a joy, and, and Cindy is just, my God, I'm, I'm so grateful to her. She's been driving me everywhere for almost a year and um, took me to the doctors for the surgery and took care of me. And to to celebrate those things, why do we wait? Mm-hmm. Right. So that's that's 
that that's the huge question. We are all, it seems, waiting for so much to happen, like for the shoe to drop, for the next big thing. You know, then there's the fear of missing out as opposed to let's make everything an opportunity to, to smile, to celebrate, to do something, including work, including the hard projects that we keep putting off. Let's find a team of people that we can gather around ourselves that will help us get those things done. So And, and celebrate the disheveled and celebrate the perfection and... I mean, with okay, let's go back to your photography for a moment, right? I never thought of you becoming a photographer when we were growing up. I don't know if I ever really thought about what you would be what you would be doing for a living growing up. I figured it would be something creative, but you put together and everybody Alan's on on Facebook. How do they find you on Facebook? Uh, they just look up Alan Shapiro on Facebook. Okay, same thing on Instagram. Uh, it's Instagram, it's Alan Shapiro 515. Alan Shapiro. May 15th, my birthday. Oh, yeah. Okay. And um, Alan Shapiro Photography.com is That's your my website. website. Yep. And how else to, is that the best way for people to reach you if they have yeah. questions? Yeah, or they can just Alan Shapiro, one word at me.com. Okay. And Alan is A L A N, one L two A's. Okay, so Alan Shapiro at me.com if anybody wants yeah. to chat with the brilliant Alan Shapiro from my childhood. Um, you know, when I look at your photography, it's how long does it take you to set up one of, you say you take a photograph every day. How long does it take you to set up for that? Because it's very obvious you're not just, because they're so warped sometimes, you're not just uh-huh. pointing at something. You design well, it. Some, yeah, well, some, there's, there's two sets of photography. There's things we, we make and things we find. So the things we find can take seconds or hours. It depends on what I'm looking for. If I'm walking around with a camera on the street, it can, you know, it's, it's a spontaneous uh, seeing something and my finger does the work. With some, and that's the same for a lot of the flowers, but for some of my food, by the way, I picked up food photography because I wanted to trade chefs' photogra- photographs for meals. So that's how I got into food Ooh. photography. Now people pay me, but when I was just starting... It was, hey, I'll trade you. You know, you take a pi- I'll take a picture, and for every picture you take, I want a meal. That's so brilliant. <laughs> right? It, you know, so you develop a portfolio, you practice, and, and there's residual benefit. Now it would make you nauseous to know how much I can ask for a photograph, but it's still, I have people who I will just trade to this day for a good meal. So I have a collection of chefs. But, but some of that will take minutes, I, you know, I have, I have a little bit of ADD, so I don't like spending too much time laboring over something. And fortunately, fortunately, you know, it, it, I don't need to. Okay. All right. Well, we're coming towards the end of the show. I know, right? Oh. Well, you and I are going to keep talking anyway, but just not on the air right now. I may have to have you back on. A thought you'd like to share? Ask lots of questions. Everybody should ask lots of questions. They should sometimes ask them in the mirror in the morning or before they go to bed. And they should ask their best friends and they should ask their worst enemies. What am I doing right? What am I not doing right? What do you think? I play this game, start, stop, continue. What should I start? What should I stop? And what should I continue? 
knowing that that is the stuff that you love about me and you want me to keep doing. The questions we ask ourselves, as you well know, are critical to our success. And the moment we stop asking questions, the moment we might as well just roll over and pull a blanket over our heads. Do you ever feel like you have so many questions you don't even know who to ask? <laughs> All the time. But the, the, the good news, there's always somebody to ask. If yeah. only, the, you know, if, if, if the mirror. <laughs> you know, that's one of the reasons I created this show, Alan, was because people are like, well, I don't know people like you know, so I, I, I can't get my questions answered. And I'm like, well, what if I were to create a place where people can meet people from very different perspectives? And, and that is a wonderful service you provide. Plus, it's my happy place. <laughs> I know, right? You, you know, talking and chatting and learning things, like, God. I'd like to, I, you know, not a day goes by where I don't try and learn something. Uh, so, uh, and by it. the way, th- there are dumb questions. <laughs> there absolutely are. I've heard so many. Yeah, the- but you know, I, I look at dumb questions as, to me, they may seem dumb, but to somebody else, not so much. And I'm being signaled by Mr. B. We've got less than 30 seconds left. So I want to thank you, thank you, thank you for being on the show, Alan. Oh, being, and thank you back. Being my birthday guest and singing to me. And uh, remember, everybody, I mean, go listen back to the show on podcast because Alan shared so much great stuff. But for me, at the end of the day, it's the people we know that make a difference in our lives. And it's the questions we ask of ourselves and others, as Alan put, that really can make a difference. So remember, the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking yourself today? And thanks for all the birthday wishes, everybody. I'm, I'm so grateful for all of you who've made a difference in my life. Have a great day, everybody. Starting today. 